right, let's jump into the, the message, starting a new series today called Just Words, Just Words. And we're going to spend three weeks talking about uh, the stuff that comes out of our mouth. And I'm not talking about spit or saliva, I'm talking about the way we talk, the way we communicate. And, and I, let me just kind of lay the, the groundwork, the framework for this up front, that we're not just talking about the words we say verbally. You know, our culture has given us many different ways to communicate through social media and the internet and emails and all those kinds of things, text messages. So when we talk about just talking and words, we're talking about all the forms of, of communication that are available to us today. And uh, so here's the deal on this series, okay? Sometimes in my role, pastor, leader, shepherd, whatever title you want to put there, God will kind of give you this weight or burden or this just this strong impression that that the enemy of our souls is at work in kind of a specific area, laying some traps for people in our church and, and, and for Christ followers in general. And for me, usually how this goes is I start kind of feeling it, feeling like the Holy Spirit's leading me in this direction. My Bible reading tends to go this direction. And then I fight and argue with the Holy Spirit about it because it doesn't sound like it's going to be that fun to preach. And I like to have fun when I preach. And, uh, but here's the thing, like the Holy Spirit's smarter than me. Um, I know that comes as a shock to many of you that God is smarter than me, but it's true. It really is. That's funny. You're supposed to have a sarcasm. You can, ha, ha, ha. All right, so, and, no, but usually what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart. And then by the time you get to the day, which is today, where you're going to teach on this, you're like really fired up and excited about it because you've seen some truth in Scripture uh, that, that you're excited to share and I think is really going to help some people and, and, and encourage you and build you up. So all that to say, when I first, over a month ago, started feeling like God was leading me in this direction, I was like, God, do I have to? And he was like, yeah, you have to. But now I'm, I'm pretty fired up and excited about it. In fact, we've We've pushed out, we've been talking about this Running with the Giants series that we want to do at some point. We've moved it twice now. Um, and so for three weeks, we're going to talk about just words, and, uh, and, and, and so I'm, I'm excited about it. And here's the case on this series. We're going to spend three weeks built around a theme scripture that comes from Proverbs chapter 18, and I want you to listen to it very closely. I'm going to read the, the ESV version first, and it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death, I mean, that's really, that's pretty big, right? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, that might be hard to decipher for some of us, so I went and looked at another translation. I love the way the New Living Translation gives this to us, and we have it in your notes if you're following along. It says, the tongue can bring life, or I'm sorry, can bring death or life. Those who love to talk. Now, let me just pause for a second. Because I'm sure this person isn't in our church. <laughs> so don't elbow the person next to you. I'm sure they don't go here, but we're just going to share this message just in case. All right? All right? So it says, but how many know somebody who loves to talk? All right. You know what I'm talking about. All right. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Ouch. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. So here's kind of the big idea for today, all right? Today is going to really kind of lay the, the foundation for the next couple of weeks. We, 
I think, live in a culture where people love to talk. In fact, like no other time in history, there are so many different means of getting your words out because all of us somehow believe that the whole world cares about every thought that ever comes through our mind. So we tweet it and we Facebook it and we text it and we email it and we, we talk, 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 talk. And all I can think of is this scripture in the Bible that says, even a fool, even a dummy looks wise when he's silent. I think we live in a culture of complaining, culture of complainers, where we just, we just want to talk about everything we find that doesn't look like we think it should. And too many of us approach our days and, and our circumstances, our jobs, our families. Some of us approach our churches. I'm, I'm sure it's not here. I'm sure it doesn't happen here. Some of us approach our leadership our pastors even, with a let's see what we can find wrong today attitude. And what we're actually doing is we're going through life looking for everything to go wrong that we possibly can, and then we're actually like, when we find it and we point it out, we go, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, 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 wrong. We speak words of death. Because God hasn't called us to find everything that was. God called us to speak words of life. The power of life and death are in the tongue. And so what I'm saying to you, church, today is for the next three weeks, I want to teach us how to be a people that speaks words of life. Come on, how many think the world would be a better place if we, if we spent more time speaking words of life over the circumstances and the situations that we face each day? Wouldn't it be better? I think it'd be better. Too many of us approach each day with that Let's see what will go wrong attitude. And as if having that attitude weren't bad enough, tweeting it, Facebooking it, telling everybody, texting it, emailing it, we somehow twist this attitude that we live with, this fact that we speak death over everything, and we treat it like some sort of talent or gift. Look at me. Look how good I am at finding what's wrong with everything and then telling everybody what I found. Come on. I don't, listen, I don't want to be that kind of person. Do you? I want to be a person that speaks life over every circumstance, over every situation I come to. So that's, that's where we're headed. What's this series about? This series is about that I think that the enemy is laying some traps for some of us in our lives with words, with the way we communicate, with the way we talk. In fact, he's, he's diminishing the saltiness of the church by getting us to be comfortable with words of death. And so when Jesus says, you're, you're the salt of the earth, a city on a hill, a light that's supposed to shine in the darkness, I think, I think when we start allowing words of death to come into our life and out of our mouths and out of our, our, our social media outlets, that we actually dim the light of Christ and we take away some of the flavor and some of the saltiness that as Christ followers we're supposed to have. And, and so I've I just I got to be real direct with you this morning. This series is about making it clear that the kingdom of Jesus Christ wasn't about finding the death in everything. It isn't about cursing the darkness 
And for some of us, I think this series might even be a warning from the Holy Spirit. That if we don't manage this issue of speaking death and start to speak words of life, that just like Proverbs says, we're going to start to reap the consequences of our words. In fact, some of us might already be there. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for, um, for speaking to me. I thank you for convicting my heart in some of these areas. And I thank you that the, your Holy Spirit is not here to condemn or uh, to beat us down, God. But you're here just to bring to light some ways that we should be more like you. And I pray that our hearts would be built up and encouraged to do that today. God, that as we leave, we would speak words of life over everything we encounter. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at a passage of Scripture that I love. I love this passage of Scripture on this topic. Jesus is talking in this passage about the way we talk. And there's, I want to give you like the, the, the cheat sheet, all right, ahead of time before we read this passage so that you understand what's happening here. You're going to see two words, the word tree and the word fruit. And here's what I want you to understand, that there is a word picture that's going on here. And Jesus is saying that the tree represents our hearts. And the fruit represents the words that come out of our mouth. Simple enough? Everybody got it? With me? Come on, show me you're live. The lights are bright, I can't see you. Let me hear you. You with me? You're live. You awake? All right, okay, good. Some of you are like, I just want to go have Mother's Day lunch. Can we? All right, no. No, I'm preaching first. All right, Matthew 12, 33, check it out. Remember, tree heart, fruit mouth. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. And then Jesus is running for popularity contest here. He turns to the religious leaders and says, You brood of vipers. That's how Jesus made friends. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, come on, we've all heard this, the mouth speaks. Come on, let's say it together. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, Joel and I have both mentioned this verse over the last two weeks, confirmation that Jesus knows what he's doing. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Did you catch that? We are going to answer to God for every word we speak. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Just words. Just words, right? Let me say this. Let me qualify that. We're saved by grace, not by works. We're saved by grace. So when we invite Jesus Christ into our heart as Lord and Savior, we repent and we accept him into our lives, and he comes in and saves us. There's a transformation that begins to take place. Where? In our hearts. The problem is many of us kind of go, I'll take the insurance policy, I'll punch the heaven ticket, and then I just want to stay the same me forever. And that can't happen. In fact, 
it creates a huge conflict because once Jesus is in your heart, he is, the Holy Spirit is actively working to change you from the inside out. Every single day of our lives, we should look more and more like Jesus than we did the way before. So let me just speak to anybody today who might be sitting in a, in a stagnant place of spiritual laziness and just say to you, wake up, man. Get up. Stop sitting there allowing every excuse in the world to keep you where you are and then be frustrated because you don't have the blessings of God in your life. Let the Holy Spirit do what he was sent to do and take you into a life that's prosperous, that's God's perfect plan instead of your messed up plan. There should have been more clapping for that. (laughs) We're saved by grace, which changes our heart. And if our heart is being changed, then our mouth will also be changed. So today what I want to do is just give you three quick truths. I promise it's not going to take long today. I know it's Mother's Day. Everybody's got stuff they want to do. So I want to give you three quick truths about words. And with each one of these, I want to give you a lie that tends to be prevalent in our culture. And the first one is this, that words cost. Words cost. Write it down if you're following along in your notes. Words cost. Can, can I, uh, I want to ask you a question. Church, can I have permission to speak freely? You all, you all gave me permission because you're being nice, but you know what the right answer is? No. In fact, there's no such thing as speaking freely. We do that, right? We give ourselves these little qualifications to let our conscience off the hook. Can, can I speak freely? And the answer is no. No, you can't because words cost. There is never a season or a place in your life where it's okay to just speak freely because words cost. In fact, I think words are the currency of grace. They're the currency of grace. And, and, and I, always, I always share this illustration with, with young people whenever I'm talking with them and counseling with them that, that we go through life and, and, and our the grace that God has for us is endless. It never runs out. But in our relationships with people, there is a limit to grace. It will run out sometimes. And so we go through life, and I like to think that we start with pockets full of change, and that change represents grace. And in every interaction that we have with people, we either make a deposit and add to the grace, or we make a withdrawal and we give some away. And the issue for many of us is that, especially if you're like me, and you have a tendency to be a little bit of a loose cannon sometimes, you find yourself making sometimes more withdrawals than you do deposits. And sometimes you reach into that pocket and you need some grace with someone. You need the relationship to work out, and you've used it all up. In fact, you've opened up a credit card account and maxed that baby out too. Because words are the currency of grace. And when we speak words of death, maybe, maybe you're in a situation where you found yourself going from group of friends to group of friends to group of friends or church to church to church or relationship to relationship to relationship and you can't figure out why you can't keep any of your friendships or any of your relationships consistent. Now, there's a ton of different issues that might be contributing to that, but I want to en- encourage you to at least examine this one area And just find out if maybe you're the grace hog. (laughs) You've been been doing all the withdrawals without making very many 
deposits. And, and so maybe you're just running low in your relationships. Words cost. And the lie in our culture is that words are free, and they're not. Can I speak freely? No, we can't. As Americans, and I believe in this right, okay, our founding fathers, they got together and they said God has given us certain inalienable rights. And one of the rights that we have in our country is the freedom of speech, the freedom of speech. So we, we can say anything we want, right? Right? I can say anything I want to my wife and not have to worry about sleeping on the couch, right? She would never make me sleep on the couch, but we have a king-sized bed. She would just put lots of distance between me. <laughs> we don't have to worry about the couch. But I can't, I can't say anything that I want. Let me ask you this question. If America says it's legal, does that make it right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So, so I can say anything I want, but should I say anything I want? Probably not, because words cost. They cost something. Even though you have a right to free speech, it doesn't mean that we don't give an account to God for what we say. When you give your heart to Jesus, you become a citizen of a higher kingdom than the United States of America. Can I tell you that presidents will come and go, but Jesus will be the king for all of eternity. And when I stand before him, man, I want to be a good steward with what's come out of my mouth. I want to be a good steward with my speech and with my attitudes and with my thoughts if I, um, if I go to Nevada, there are certain counties of Nevada where prostitution is legal. Just because it's legal does not mean that I will not suffer consequences if I participate. Right? Words cost. There's cost associated with them. Look at Psalm 141 verse 3. It says, Take, I love, this is a great prayer for all of us to pray. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Guard my lips. Psalm 39, 1 says, I said to myself, I'll watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I'll hold my tongue when the ungodly around me. And that some, some translations of Psalm 141, 3 actually say, God put a muzzle on me. Like, Holy Spirit, muzzle my mouth shut. And I love what Psalm 39.1 says, I'll hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. And that's not some sort of insult to the ungodly. That's saying that when we're around people who aren't Christ followers, it's even more important what we say. And the problem is, we put on our best behavior when we're around the other Christ followers, and we put on our worst behavior when we're around people who don't follow Jesus, and it ought to be flip-flop. Like, this ought to be the place where all your mess is out in the open, and then you can deal with it, and then everybody can, as a church family, we pray for each other, and we go to small groups, and we deal with our issues together. But instead, this is the place we, we put on our best act, and we put on our best mask. When we're around people who don't know Jesus, it's so important that we guard our lips. Have you ever used the, the phrase, I know none of you have done this, probably not, but. Have you ever used the phrase, I probably shouldn't say this, but, but, and what do all of us do after we say that? You say it anyway. You just said you shouldn't say it. Can I just tell you something? If the phrase, I probably shouldn't say this, comes to mind before you say what you're about to say, you shouldn't say it! 
Don't do it. Hold it in, man. Filter that thing through the Holy Spirit and make a decision about whether or not those words should come out of our mouths. We say it and we shouldn't. Words cost. Number two, words hurt. Words hurt. And here's the lie in our culture. Words don't hurt if you're joking around. As long as I say I was just kidding, then I'm cool, right? I can get away with that. No. Words hurt. Now get ready for this, because this is, this is the scripture that goes with this, all right? Don't put it up yet, Todd. When I read this scripture, I had one of those like, whoa, I can't believe that's in the Bible kind of moments. Like, in my opinion, this is one of the most shocking scriptures I've ever read in my life. And it convicted my heart, like, a lot. A lot. Check this out. Proverbs 26, 18 to 20. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. What? Fire goes out without wood and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Now that's, for me, that's really easy to imagine because over the last couple of years, we've had plenty of guys on the news where madmen showed up and hurt a bunch of innocent people. And can I tell you that, I'm not trying to over-sensationalize this, the scripture compares us to that type of person when we don't think about the words that come out of our mouth. What? I mean, I just had to read it about 20 times. As damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon. So just imagine a crazy guy running around with a gun, just shooting anybody they can find, is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only kidding. Words hurt. Words do damage. I was born with this incredible gift of I may not be the toughest guy around, but I, I have a load, I, I was born with a loaded weapon for the way I talk. I mean, I can slice and dice, and I've got, a, I've got the ginsu. I can, I can just, I can tear people up, and God had to, God had to work on me, man. Still working on me. In fact, if, if I'm just being completely transparent with you, as you get closer and closer to Jesus and as your life transforms and he works on you, you will go through seasons where there's specific issues that God brings to the surface, convicts you of, works out in your life, and then you move on to the next one. It's a constant process of growing and maturing in your walk with Jesus Christ. It never stops, never ends. And if I can just be honest, like this is one of the ones right now where God is, it's like he's brought this one back to the surface again and, and, and just checked my heart and said, are you sure, are you sure that this is in alignment? Are you the crazy guy just firing off random bullets wherever you feel like it and then excusing it because it's a joke, because it's funny, letting yourself off the hook? Words hurt. We put little jabs in our comments. And can I tell you, if you're a jabber, listen, every married couple, one of you in the relationship is probably the jabber. Because every relationship has one person or the other who's a little bit better at, with words and at communicating, all right? Somebody's going to have the supremacy on that, and if you're the one who, who's the better communicator, you're better with words, word of caution to you, 
You can do serious, you may never lift a hand, you may never physically touch anyone in your family, but you can do serious damage with the words that come out of your mouth. Because for you, it's a little jab. For the people who receive it, it feels like a stab. And you can destroy people because words hurt. I was out doing some yard work yesterday, and, and I don't eavesdrop, but there was a group of probably 13, 14-year-old girls playing in the driveway across the street from us. And I just ha- happened to overhear one of them say to the other girl, girl, you got, some, you got some gigantic thighs. And I thought, oh, my. And I looked up, and, and um, this girl's paralyzed. And the other girl's like, I'm just kidding. And the one girl, I could tell, like, she was, cru- like, pretended to laugh it off, but I could tell she was just like, ah. Words hurt. Words hurt. And jabs feel like stabs. I'm still learning how to keep my mouth shut. I'm still learning that saying, just kidding, is oftentimes a lie. Because Jesus said, whatever we say came from where? Heart. From the abundance of the heart, our mouths speak. Here's the deal with with. Saying something, I love sarcasm, sarcastic humor cracks me up, love it. But we've got to be careful with it. Because when we take a jab at someone with sarcasm or a joke, and then we say, just kidding, here's what is actually happening. It's like walking by an orange tree and saying, hey, nice oranges. And the orange tree says, I'm not an orange tree, I'm an apple tree. That's what happens when we say, just kidding. We're, we're saying, no, no, I promise, my heart's good, it's healthy. It's fine, but the fruit is something different. So, man, we got to be careful with that. Come on, don't you, don't you want to take a little bit of responsibility and make sure that you're not a loaded weapon firing off random bullets into the people in your life when we could be giving life to all of those around us? Are you with me? I know this is kind of a convicting message. Happy Mother's Day. All right. Instead of justifying deadly words with I'm joking, what we need to do is stop and say, whoa, Jesus, I didn't realize that was in my heart. Help me deal with that. You see, that's not condemnation. That's not guilt. When something comes out of my mouth and and immediately the Holy Spirit says, maybe you shouldn't have done that one, buddy. Maybe you should have kept that one in there. Instead of going, oh, I'm just kidding, I'm just messing with you, man, it's awesome. Everybody's got crooked teeth, don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, whatever, it is, I have crooked teeth, so I can say that one, all right. Whatever it is that you did or said, and then you tried, instead of, instead of playing it off, man, what we ought to do is retreat to a place with the Holy Spirit and say, God, I, where did that come from? Help me, help me process that. Help me figure that out. Because I don't want to speak words of death, I don't want to speak words that hurt, so so how do I deal with that? How do I deal with hurtful words? It's very simple. Just repent. Every time it happens, repent. Repent to who? Well, to God, obviously, but to the people you've done it to. There have been times I've had to pull guys aside from our team here and say, hey, in an effort to motivate you or whatever, I may have said some stuff that, that just wasn't the right way to do it. And if it, if it hurt you, I'm genuinely sorry. I, please forgive me. Do you know how much healing you can bring to a person's life? By just saying, hey, I know I was wrong, and I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And it's really easy, actually. We hate to say I'm sorry because it's such a pride killer, but, but the weight comes off, man. The weight comes off. 
when we do it. Repent. What if I'm the person that's been receiving hurtful words, and I'm hurt, and I'm angry, and I'm bitter? It's tough for you too, but you've got to forgive. You've got to forgive. You've got to understand that something is going on in the heart of the person who said it, and pray that the Holy Spirit works it out, and let it go. Forgive. Just make up your mind that you're going to forgive them. I, I, I had some issues rise up in, just in the last year of my life from some leaders who had not been in my life for almost 10 years. And then we connected on Facebook, and all of a sudden the memories of all these hurtful words came rushing back. And all of a sudden I realized I'd never forgiven this person. And so I had to deal with it, man. I had to go to God and say, I'm making a choice to let it go. They don't owe me anything. They never have to get even. I forgive. So when hurtful words come our way, forgive. Ephesians 5, 3 to 5 says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Now you're saying, why are you talking about greed and sexual immorality? I thought we were talking about words. Because I find it interesting that Paul the Apostle put that sentence in the same chunk as the next sentence. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. And if I could say anything to you today as your pastor church, hear this. If you don't hear anything else and you call True Life home or you're thinking about calling True Life home, obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, hey church, these are not for us. They're not for us. Let's speak words of life. In fact, if you call this your church home, I give you permission and authority right now when you hear words of death, obscene stories and coarse joking and foolish words to say, we don't do that here. Love you. You're awesome. We don't do that. Don't do what? We don't talk like that. Oh, really? Yeah, we just don't. We like to speak words of life here. We build people up. We lift people up. We make people better. We don't complain about all the issues in our life. Yes, that would be a great place for thunderous applause. Because here's the deal. You know what John the Baptist said about Jesus when he was coming? Remember, tree, heart, mouth, fruit. John the Baptist said that the axe is going to be laid to the root of the tree. In other words, he was saying, hey, Jesus is coming to deal with heart issues. And the way we talk and the way we interact with others is a direct correlation to what's going on in our hearts, the conditions of our hearts. So words can hurt. And the last one is that words last. Words last. The lie in our culture is that words evaporate, that they just disappear and they go away and they don't matter. But words last. I got an email few years a couple years ago from a girl who had been in our youth group down in Florida and, and this girl and a guy had gotten into a dating relationship and and uh, they ended up moving in together before they were married and just lots of different things and and statistically the the odds are were totally against them totally against them and so as their youth pastor at one time I, I kind of had a, a confrontational meeting with them and and part of the issue might have been that I didn't say it in love but I just said to him, it's going to be a miracle if you last five years. It's going to be an absolute miracle. Because the way you're doing it is not God's way. It's, it's not going to work. 
Now, the cool thing is God showed up in their family and did a miracle. They got right with Jesus and started following him passionately with all their hearts. Come on, that's proof that anybody is salvageable, any, anything can happen. And, and so, but here's the thing, I got an email one day saying, today's our five-year anniversary, just wanted to remind you, you said we wouldn't make it. Words last. Words last. They hang around in our hearts. They hang around in the back of our minds. Some of you right now, you still have nicknames from your childhood that damaged you and hurt you. And it's messed with your identity. It's messed with your ability to be secure in who you are. You've got words that were spoken to you by your parents or by other family members or people who were supposed to be your friends. And it's lasted for years. Because words last. The lie is they evaporate, that they don't. You want to get ahead in our series a little bit? Go read James chapter 3. It talks about the tongue having the ability to start a forest fire. You know what you need to have a forest fire? A forest. That's deep, isn't it? Have you ever said something and then later on you're going, I can't believe that got as big as it did. I didn't think this was going to be that big of an issue. This just blew up. How did that happen? There was a forest there, and you didn't know about it, and you flipped a match into that baby, and it blew up. That's what James talks about. It's because there's a forest there. I I was, like I said before, I was born with this loaded weapon for a tongue, and and when I got married, we got it, once we got past the honeymoon phase, my wife can attest to this, I started to understand that I could probably win every argument and every debate if I wanted to because I could just turn on the weapon and shoot down everything if I wanted to. And, and I don't think I was ever like crazy verbally abusive, but I just knew how to shut it down if I wanted to. And I remember one time having a, a, a little bit of a spat Yes, pastors and their wives have spats. We're human. We're normal. Seriously. Like, I bleed and everything. I bled from the spat. Yes. <laughs> Probably should have. Um, and I remember, I don't even remember what I said, but I remember it being one of these moments where what I said hurt my wife. She went to another room. And immediately the Holy Spirit reminded me of this kid named John Mode, who was our neighborhood bully. And he was a few years older than me. And I remember one time all my friends, supposed friends, talked me into being the guy to stand up to the neighborhood bully. You know how you become the bully? By being tougher than everybody else. I learned that the hard way. And I remember walking into this driveway in our neighborhood. All my friends stayed several feet back. They're like, John, sick of you bullying everybody. I'm like 10 years old. I'm tired of you bullying everybody, man. Let's settle it. I'm not Brian Schaefer. I don't do MMA. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I'm good with the words, not so good with the fists. And John grabbed me, put me face first on the driveway, and went, boom. And I went home with this gigantic black eye, man, lasted for like a week. 
And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, he said you know, you remember that time John Mode gave you a black eye and how it hurt and lasted for like a week? And I was like, yeah. He said, you know why that happened? I'm like, because I was a wimp. I was like, no, because John was an expert at beating up people weaker than him. And you're an expert at beating up people with your words. And if you touch my daughter again, we're going to have problems. In fact, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, don't, don't ever touch my, my daughter again with your expert weaponed words. If there was an X-Men mutant for words, I'm it. I could be it. I don't know what you would call that, but I would have that one. I would look really silly in an X-Men suit. I'll keep some of you awake tonight. Here's the thing about the disagreements. Let me say this. Remember I was talking about how, how, how in every relationship, one person is the better communicator? Let me just caution you with this. You can, you can win the disagreement, but you're losing the agreement. And we need to be careful with that in our families and our marriages. It's the old win a battle, lose the war. You can win the disagreement, but you're losing the agreement in your home, in your family, in your marriage. Because words last. Be careful. Change now. Here's some good news. You ready for some good news? <laughs> Words last, but good words last even longer. Good words last too. Check it out. I want, and I, you may not, I, I, just let me connect the dots for you here. We're about to wrap this up. 2 Timothy 1, 3 and 5. It's Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. He says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember. Now, I just want to draw your attention to that word, remember. He says, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And then skip to verse 5, he says it again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith continues strong in you. Now, what's significant about that scripture when it comes to words? The word remember in the Greek actually doesn't mean remember. And it's confusing when you first read it. it he, Paul actually used a word that translates into literally graveyard monument. Graveyard monument. So when you go to a cemetery and you visit a headstone, are you remembering that someone died? No. They're there to remember, remind us that someone lived, Right? They're there to remind us of the life. That's why we put the nice little sayings on there and the years that they were on earth. It's to remind us that someone had a life and someone lived here on planet earth. And so what Paul is actually saying to Timothy is saying, Timothy, in the front yard of God Almighty, I am building monuments of your needs to remind God of what he needs to do in your life. And so I just, you want to know why grandma will pray for somebody for 10 years and then she'll pass away and 10 years later they'll finally get saved and give their heart to Jesus? It's because for 10 years grandma was on her knees building monuments in the front yard of Jesus Christ and every morning he had to wake up and walk around and look at at little Johnny's name on a monument out there and finally he said, somebody go save that guy. Somebody get him. Somebody lead him to Jesus. 
Somebody go knock him off his horse and blind him if you have to. By the way, that's what he did to the Apostle Paul. He knocked Paul off of his horse and blinded him until Paul said, okay, who is this that I'm meeting? Who is this that I'm running into? And so listen, man, not only do we need to get better at speaking words of life and our interactions with people, but my goodness, what would happen if we actually would go to the God of the universe and begin to build monuments for God to remember the needs of those in our lives that we care for, that we love? You know what I'm doing right now in my life? We have a brand new baby boy. I do the same thing with my daughter. I'm the bedtime guy. Dad gets bedtime duty. So after he eats for the very last time and he's all like, I change his diaper, get him wrapped up in his little swaddle. Looks like a straight jacket, poor kid. He's all like. And then I stand over his crib for just a few seconds and I hold him. I say, Benjamin, I love you. More importantly, your heavenly father loves you. He doesn't understand what I'm saying, but I don't care. I'm building monuments. Your heavenly father loves you. He has a plan for you. He's going to do incredible things with your life. I want you to sleep well tonight. I want you to be blessed. And then I ask God, God, give him a sensitivity to you and your spirit as he grows up. God, let him see the hunger for you in the hearts of his his parents. That someday when the time is right, he would fall in love with Jesus Christ. And he'd have a relationship with you that's all his his own. Not one that we gave him or, or forced on him. God, let him know you, the real you. And I pray that prayer every single night. And you know what, man? God is listening because words last. They last. Parents, you struggling with your kids right now? Man, go to the Heavenly Father with the issues. Go lay them down before him. Pray for your... Man, oh my goodness, we're missing out if we're not praying for our kids. Moms, you want, the, you want to give yourself the best Mother's Day gift you ever could? Make a decision today to start praying for your kids every day. Pray for them. Pray for their future spouses. Pray for their future jobs. Pray for their future education. Just pray, just lift it all up to them because words last. Words last. So let's wrap it up. Words cost, but they can be an investment. We can speak words of life and make investments in the people around us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the guy that's always taking the withdrawal. I want to make deposits of life and grace into the people around me. Words cost, but they can be an investment. Words hurt, but words of life can heal. Words of life can heal. In fact, it's, it's because of words, some words of life that somebody spoke over me. That I, I'm doing anything that I do right now. Because I'll be honest with you, I, I tend towards insecurity. I tend to, um, left by myself, without the Holy Spirit active in my heart, I'll start thinking thoughts of, you're a failure, everything you do is meant to fail. You're a great actor, someday people will find out how little you actually know. Those are the things the enemy attacks me with. But I'm thankful for words of life. I'm thankful for this this woman named Donna. She became like a second mom to me during my first year of schooling at a church in Ohio where she pulled me aside one day and said, Michael, you're going to be a voice, not an echo. When you speak, people will listen and you'll pastor nations. And and I could see in her eyes that she 
She heard from God and she believed every word she was saying. And man, I latched onto that. I never let go of it. Words last. Good words last. Words of life can heal. And words last, but good words last too. I'm thankful for words of life that have changed me, that have helped me. Would you close your eyes and